Hello, everyone, and welcome to Three Speech, the entertainment podcast that also follows the rule of three. This is episode 10, very special edition. Welcome to Crime Time. Dun dun. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's going to be a good one. I am your host, Jamie. And I'm your host, Alin, doing my best impersonation of the clanging noise from one of the shows we're going to be discussing. It had to have been Law and Order. Was that the Law and Order? Yeah, that's my that's my best. Like dun dun. Yep, yep. I knew it right away. Yep. I knew it right away. Uh, in any case, this is our tenth episode, and we are doing a very special episode where we are going to do entirely just crime and detective, more of like a detective-y kind of crime shows. Um, they are they are favorites of ours, and uh, as a reminder. Um, there will be spoilers, although many of the shows that we're going to be discussing today are fairly old and you probably, hopefully, have seen some or all of them. And last but not least, we do want to remind everyone that we are not entertainment professionals. So um, even with some of our favorite series, there's still the potential for us to make some mistakes. So, Alin, crime, tell me about it. How do you feel? <laughs> you know, I really enjoy crime shows. Um, whether it's something that's based on a documentary, something that really happened, which is many times scarier, or just watching it on television when you're homesick. That's also a great thing to watch when you're homesick. Mm -hmm. Um, Just watch whatever marathon of crime shows happens to be on. It's It's usually a Law & Order marathon, isn't it? Normally, yes, it normally is. Um, I've done plenty of those in my time. Right. And it's something where you start watching it. You're pretty sure you you saw this one. You don't remember what happens, but when you finally do, it's too late to get out. You're so invested. You're, right. You're like, I'll just stay and continue to watch this. And before you know it, it's rolled into another episode and you're you're hooked. You're not moving. Nope. Who wants to move? That's uh, nope. overrated. Mm mm. Um, yeah, I, I like that. I, I kind of feel like crime shows for me have always been sort of about the clues and the, the logic and the figuring stuff out and the big reveal. And, you know, I think I've seen so many at this point that sometimes it's hard to take me by surprise. So when a show does manage to fool me, I give them extra cookies for being able <laughs> to fool me. Um, so, and in fact, all of the shows that are on my list for today are ones that pulled the wool over my eyes in one way or another. So you, there's definitely a theme there. Um, but today's format is going to be a little bit different. Instead of doing our little three, our big three, and our three things we're looking forward to, we each have three crime shows that we are going to talk about. We're going to ping pong back and forth. Um, Alin, would you like to start or would you like me to go first? Um, I will start just because I've kind of given away what my first pick is. We, we already kind of started talking about it, didn't we? Yeah, we kind of started talking about Law and Order. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I'm going to say this in my best voice. Okay, are you ready? Yep. In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups. The police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. And that's it. Dun, dun. That, that's it. That, that's, that is the show. It's. Yeah. Uh, it's, now you're, you're going back to the original law. And right. Order. You know, it's worth mentioning that this is not the 
SVU variety that's been ongoing now for 27,000 years. But this is the original. This is the OG, the, yeah. the daddy of them all. Yeah. SVU would not exist That's right. It's standing on the shoulders of giants. Exactly. So, I mean, even criminal intent, which is a, it, I'm not going to say it was a little different. I think criminal intent tried to jump on the train where quirky detectives were really in at that point. So Vincent D'Onofrio just dialed it up to 11 with this Mm. socially inept yet brilliant detective who could figure all things out Uh, that sometimes turns me off because it's a trope i know we say that too too much according to someone but (laughs) it is you know who you are (laughs) (laughs) all right so why is law and order one of your favorite crime shows of all time well i mean it's a very simple simple show there's a dead body that is discovered at the beginning and then you spend, you know, about, I'm not, this is me not taking out time for commercials. So you spend 30 minutes with the police trying to figure out who committed the crime. And then another 30 with the attorneys and prosecutors and sometimes recurring defense attorneys seeing what's going to happen to this person. And it is essentially the criminal justice system on speed because it makes it seem like all of these things happen quite quickly which is not the case in in real life. And that's another reason that Law & Order is a favorite because it's very neat. It exists in its own universe with the exception of, you know, episodes that go to two parts or sometimes there's recurring quote-unquote villains Mm -hmm. that come back every once in a while. Um, I think looking at it, there's always sort of this cycling of, of different detectives and for me, my favorite pairing was uh, Lenny Briscoe, played mm-hmm. by J- Jerry Orbach, the dad from Dirty Dancing. And <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm like, where else has he been? And Chris Noth uh, as uh, Mike Logan. And it was very strange to see me because I'm much more of a Law and Order girl that I am a Sex in the City girl. Don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. I watched Sex in the City. I enjoyed it. But to see him as Mr. Big, I'm like, no, that's Mike Logan. He's not a jerk. Yeah, he right. has problems. But he's just trying to do the right thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing about Law & Order is um, obviously huge cast. It was on television for 20 years right and there were a lot of people who got their starts on that I know the one that always jumps to my mind is my girl from Rizzoli and Isles who I can't remember her name right now but oh Angie Harmon that's right she was she, a lawyer she yeah, she played one of the attorneys uh she was one of the the DAs I cannot remember her name right now it's gonna come to me and that's another thing we might not mention every single show but like we enjoy a lot of different crime shows so if you're looking for quirky female crime driven sort of uh fun Rizzoli and Isles oh yeah show good point Mm -hmm. yeah so I mean it didn't it didn't make the cut um but honorable mention honorable yeah that's like tv fast food right yeah sometimes you just want tv fast food and that yeah that's a good one for that and it is and it's something where and I think this happens a lot with procedurals it's always the guest star who's the the killer Yes, it's the, <laughs> it's 
the <laughs> biggest name that isn't part of the main cast. <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh, what's he doing there? You did it. Yep. But so I found a list of people who I thought you would be interested. Ooh. Got their start on Law and Order, the original, okay. because it filmed in New York. It's where a lot of actors get their starts. That and LA. yeah, they and they always needed people. Like the thing about Law and Order is they would recycle some of the people and they would play different characters, oh, that's but like funny. <laughs> three seasons apart. So like for example, um, Michael Imperioli who was on as a detective and later went on to The Sopranos, he played a criminal in like season one and a delivery guy in season three and then came back as a detective and like no one, he didn't exist in that universe. So that just sounds to me like he turned his life around and and worked his way up in the world. (laughs) So some of the people who, whether they had a a guest role or they were uh, another attorney or a doctor, um, we're going to talk about it. Hellboy himself, as well as the sheriff on Stranger Things, David Harbour. I love him. He got his, uh, and it was 1999. I kind of want to see a screenshot of that. I will, I'll, I will send it to you because he looks like he has such a baby face. Oh, I bet. It looks like he can't even grow a beard in this picture. <laughs> <laughs> So he was uh, not old enough to be legally allowed to grow a beard. That's right. Uh, so <laughs> other people I thought who you'd be interested, uh, Adam Driver, oh, Kylo, Ren, Kylo Ren. Talk about baby face. Yes, he he was. That was his uh, first credit. Uh, John Krasinski from The Office and The Quiet Place. He was. Uh, Oh, yeah, and the uh, from Amazon Prime. Jack, Jack Ryan. Ah, yes. So he okay. got his start there. Uh, so did Zoe Saldana. Oh, really? Yes. <laughs> Gamora herself. Was she green? I bet not. <laughs> Another, this is a fan favorite of mine, Viola Davis. Oh, yes, we've her. mentioned her many yes. times. So she's been on, uh, she's been on. She appeared a, a few times, uh, seven episodes. Um, then we've talked about him a lot. Well, I'm going to go with the happier one first. Sebastian Stan got his oh, wow. start on Law and Order. I'll have to like, send you that screenshot as well because he has like glasses, oh, 90s, like 90 era glasses, and his hair is kind of like he has like the Dylan McKay look from 90210 where his hair is very high. I wonder uh, if that was his start in particular in this country, because I'm pretty sure he's not from the U.S. That's right. So I'm wondering if he was already acting in, in another place and this was like his start here, you know, because I'm pretty sure he's from, oof, you know, what? I'm not even going to try it. I know he's, so, it up, yeah, he's, so, I know he's not from here. He Austria? has a very, int- very interesting background. I can't. Yeah, I, well, that'll be a correction, but uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I he, know he's not from the U.S. So, but but that's interesting. And we also have Chadwick Boseman. Oh no way! Yes, that's why you said sad. Aww. Yeah. So I mean, it's not. This is just. There's a million more people I'm that sure. that were on this show, and it you know it was great. It was the ripped from the headlines, and. Oh. 
actually it got it. Law and Order gets sued quite often for like defamation. Did they really? They did because like they basically I forget which episode it was, but it was basically a parody of a well-known New York attorney, not Rudy Giuliani. Uh, but but don't they usually have that thing in the beginning that's like the characters portrayed here don't represent real people? Like don't they? Yeah, they do that, but people still get upset. But I think they lost. But if you're like, if you get upset, aren't you admitting that you are the the the, the, the person? Right, like that that horrible person that you put in your show. I'm suing you for making fun of me, and it's like, aren't you just admitting that you are a horrible person that we made fun of? Like, <laughs> Anyway, sorry. So, I think yeah, you just wouldn't why. want to admit that, you know, like you just wouldn't want. To... <laughs> it's like, uh, never mind, never mind. No one, no one knew it was me. No. Sorry, I didn't mean to prove you right just now. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, basically, I chose Law and Order for the amazing cast. We would not know S. Apatha Merkerson except for Lieutenant Van Buren, uh, except for her starring on Law and Order. It, it's just I feel like. Everyone in their life has seen Law and Order. Yeah. And without Law and Order, obviously you have the spinoffs that occurred. You wouldn't have shows, in my opinion, like, you know, Criminal Minds or yeah, all NCIS of, and all right, these other, yeah. all the CSI mm-hmm. shows that came out and all I think there's like a million shows like Chicago PD and Chicago Fire. So it's for whatever reason. People like their crime solvable and they like to figure out the clues alongside it. And you Although, like to see justice. But the, the the thing about law and order though, and SVU is the same way, is they don't always solve the crimes and justice isn't always done. And there's there's some measure of reality there that, you know, sometimes the criminals get away with it. Get away, yeah. And 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 I, 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 I have shed a, a fair number of tears over an SVU episode. So I, and I know that law and order was no different. And I mean, do you appreciate the fact that they don't all have happy endings or? Oh, I, I think so. And because that's, that's life sometimes. And you see that and you see the disappointment and you see the DA, they'll get upset and they'll blame the police and the police mm-hmm. are blaming the DA for not prosecuting the case. Cause they know this guy's guilty. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to see the, the interaction between them. Yeah. So it's just something that I really enjoy. I still like to watch, even though it's gone. It's left uh, left TV on tw- in 2010, but it's it's Mark is still out there. And I also feel like this is a show they could bring back someday quite easily. Right. And I, I have to admit, I'm very bad because I didn't remember this. But at some point they did like a Law and Order L.A. that failed miserably. Oh, really? I never yeah. even heard of it. I was very surprised it had um, it was recent. Because it had Corey Stoll in it, you know, from Ant-Man. Huh. So it wasn't that long ago. So they tried. Interesting. To spin it off. I feel like they could bring it back if they if they wanted to. Maybe so just I, not enough time has passed. Yeah. And I think I think at this point now we're so saturated. Yeah. With crime shows because you have to remember 
that was back in the day when it was like you had NBC and you didn't have all the streaming services and HBO just did movies and so did Showtime. Right. And now everyone's in on the game. You weren't competing with things like The Wire and, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, The Wire. And that's it. I, now that you brought up The Wire, we didn't name The Wire as one of yeah. the best crime shows. That is not to minimize its impact. I did watch The Wire, uh, but it was a good 15 years after it was off the off the air. So when I watched The Wire, everything that it wasn't fresh because I had seen everything because every television show, every crime show stole elements of yeah. The Wire and recycled yeah. them. Mm-hmm. So if I had seen it, when it first came out, I would have been like, this is amazing. Yeah, mind blown. Right. But, you know, so that's on me. But The Wire, I when I was researching, it's usually ranked in, like, the top three yeah. of time shows, if not one. And I think it's just, it's it's similar to Law & Order in that it's one of those shows that a bunch of other shows have stood on its shoulders, you know, mm-hmm. just like Law & Order. And, you know, you could almost roll them together in in this kind of discussion of, these these sort of pinnacle crime shows that so many other shows have to thank for their success, you know? Exactly. And and that's another show where so many people got their start. I mean, Idris Elba, you wouldn't know about Who's him. Who's my dude with the voice? Yes. Oh, I love him. He he was in uh he was in uh, Bosch. Yes. Oh, man. What was his name? You have to help me on this. Oh, no. I got to look it up. Okay. 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 But I, it, it's just so many people have sprung, especially from Law & Order. Yeah. Yeah. So many people sort of got their, their start. Um, like, would we, like, and I say we, would Julia Roberts have dated Benjamin Bratt if he wasn't on SVU? <laughs> I'm not SVU. Law and Order. My bad. Would he have gotten the film role in Miss Congeniality? I don't mm. think so. Ooh, ooh, Lance Reddick. Is that it? Yes, but that's a different guy. Oh, darn it. <laughs> that's the guy with the voice, though, right? Yeah, and he scares me because he's on American Horror Story. Oh, and no. he plays a very scary character. I forget. Oh, it's no. like Papa Papa something. But oh, basically, no. he will he'll if if you want something done, he, you just have to trade your soul to him. That's all. Oh. Yeah. Is that all? Yeah, okay. that's all. But he yeah he scares me. Um. Okay. But yes. So Law and yeah. Order. Law and Order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't go wrong. You can't go wrong. And our younger listeners, if the, the, the problem with Law and Order is I could tell you right now to go watch it because I think a lot of it would be enlightening. I mean, I don't know how much of it would hold up, but I think it would still I think a fair amount of it would still be pretty entertaining. Um, but at this point, you can't stream it anywhere. Right. And that's a big problem with Law and Order. I would love to sit down and binge all 20 seasons of Law and Order at some point, but it's nowhere right now. You can't do it. Do you know what I'm really upset about? And I've had this idea. I'm not sure if I told it to you. I've had it for a long time. Mm. Um, For television shows specifically like Law & Order, where there's so many episodes and the order does not matter, why is there no shuffle function on any streaming service? Oh, so you'd have to figure out which TV shows the order doesn't matter um, and then code it in that way. 
And, you know, with something like Law and Order, you might actually get some people who think that the order does matter because you've got reoccurring characters that'll be on for years and then they'll go away and new reoccurring characters will come in. So maybe they want to see that progression. I know, but I'm thinking like when I watch something on TV. Oh yeah. You know, they're, they're not necessarily in order. That's true. You know, it's the same thing, you know, outside the realm of crime time, but you know, for, for friends episodes, Seinfeld, things like that, where there's a huge chunk of shows you're like, I just want to watch an episode or two. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, I don't necessarily need. Now, I guess I have to go into season three and hit right. this. You know, right. it's like, just show me something. Yeah, no, that's a good point. I know Netflix has a shuffle with what you're going to watch, but it's not episodes within a specific show. It's just picking something at random. So maybe yeah. they'll add it in someday. That would be cool. Yeah, like The Office. I'm thinking like TV shows that you'll catch on like Comedy Central or TNT. Right. Things or like that. Shows, things like that. Right. Where I mean, on Netflix, that would work really well for that. I want to watch like a bunch of Jeopardies and then invite someone over to my house. And then I'll know all of the answers beforehand because I'll have watched them. And oh. some whoever that person is, this <laughs> mysterious person will think that I'm so smart. But I just watched all the episodes first. Some future date. Yeah. Some future. I'd be like, wow, she's really smart. Mm-hmm. I'm scared now. <laughs> This is, I say that I have a criminal mind and there you go. Like, you know, I'm plotting how to show how smart I am. Yep. Um, Yep. (laughs) But JB, so what's, what's your first pick? Okay. So my first pick is probably going to be our shortest discussion of the day. Unfortunately, fortunately, (laughs) because this one is, it's one of those shows that I really can't talk about the plot because the plot is so good and everybody needs to watch this show. If you haven't watched it, you need to go do it right now. But the more I talk about the plot, the more I'm going to give away. And the show is called Dark. And this is, I think, the one that you haven't really seen, right? This is, you've seen some of it, but not I've all of seen, it. Yes, I've seen some of it. It was a couple years ago when the first season came out. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of really great things to say about Dark. And uh, I'm certain I can fill the time. But the first thing to keep in mind is that this is a a German show that Mm -hmm. was done for Netflix. I think Netflix Germany did it. And um, it's only three seasons. It tells its story. It is a it starts with a crime. There is um, a missing boy and then a, a second missing boy right in the very beginning. Um, and you have cops investigating and um, it doesn't take very long for you to realize that this is also a time travel story. Right. And it is an incredibly complex time travel story. And I kind of have to give a little bit of it away in order to explain what makes it so amazing. But the basic thing that I'm going to give away is something that you figure out really quick while watching the show is that. One of the missing children has actually gone from 2019 to 1980 something, 80. I forget what year, but it's like late 80s. Yeah. um, uh, 86, I think it was. Okay. So, yeah, but you're right. It's like late 80s. So this this young kid, I mean, in, in, in many ways, like the acting really makes this show because everybody in it is an unbelievable actor. They're all amazing. 
I have no idea who any of these people are. And I promise I will butcher all of their names if I even try. <laughs> um, I can't even like tell you any of the, I remember watching it and I'm like, German is just such a, it's a rough sounding language. Yeah. Um, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. That's no, there's just no, there's no romance to it. You know, like when you hear, <laughs> when you hear someone speak French or Spanish, uh, you know, sort of the romance languages, you're yeah. like, well, you could be insulting me, but that sounds very pretty. Yeah. But with Germany, they could be complimenting you. And it's like, nah, nah, put that. That's my German. No, no. <laughs> I know I'm going to get in a lot of trouble. CJ, I don't know if you listen. I'm not making fun of your wife. Oh, man. I my my stepdad speaks German and uh, I've been to Germany twice, actually. Well, and, there you go. Uh, yeah. And, and the people are super nice. Super nice. Um, and they're all very tall. Um, and they mm. all were like, Hey, look at this tiny human. How cute are you? Uh, but anyway, but, then, but the, no, but then you travel to like Japan and you're oh, like, yeah, and I was totally the same height as everyone else. You're like, this is awesome to be. Yep. Cause all I am also, yeah, I'm very small too. Yeah. And the bathrooms were great in Japan. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, I know. Sorry, but, but, but dark. Okay. So here's the thing. So you have, you have the crime at the beginning, which is a missing kid. And you realize the kid is in the 80s. Um, now, what ends up happening is a time travel masterpiece involving no less than 18 to 20 characters. It's a maybe big more. Ca- it's I it remember is, having a big cast. Yeah, I remember are, having trouble figuring out yeah, how is, people <laughs> were related to each other. This is the thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> you 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 have to understand when you're going into this show that you are being assigned homework. And I mean that in the best way possible because you this is not a casual watch. You mm-hmm. should have a notebook ready. To, <laughs> <laughs> this is not Rizzoli and Isles, all right, but, people? But it is so freaking rewarding I just can't even because every once in a while there'll be some reveal where you'll see a younger version of someone and you'll be able to who is this person who is this person and then you're like oh my god that's so and so you know and and it just all the pieces cross and recross and recross again. And there are weird so-and-so related to so-and-so because they went back in time and did something they shouldn't have done stuff. And all of this stuff crosses and recrosses. People get stuck in, in, in time. I mean, it is unbelievable. And the show is so well-made. I feel like it should win all the awards for writing and, and they know that they have a confusing piece of art on their hands right, because they'll right. do cool things like they'll show side by side, like almost like split screen of the same character walking around in the 80s and 1999. So you'll oh. see like the 80s version and then the 1999 version just like side by side next to each other. Like and one might be walking to school and the other one is cooking in the kitchen. And it's just like this little montage that they will do and they do it more than once. And sometimes they do it live and then sometimes they do it with photos because people in the show also realize how confusing their lives are. And they literally set up like time travel murder boards with little pieces of yarn connecting 
photos to each other. This person marries this person, then then this person goes here and that person goes there and that person becomes this person and th- and it's it's unbelievable. I was going to say I cuz before you said that with the boards, I'm picturing like Homeland Carrie Matheson type need a whole wall to figure out okay, what's going on? What's the connection? I also highly recommend you watch this with a friend because my husband and I watch it together and we bounce it off of each other, you know, and, and I think it's very helpful to have that second person there to be like, wait, who is this person again? Right. Oh, wait, that was that you know, because, you know, you, you're dealing with older versions of people, younger versions of people, and they're moving through time in almost a fluid way. And it's... um. It's just so well done. I just can't emphasize enough how well done it is. And I can't, I mean, if you like time travel, this is your piece de resistance. Like this is the best time travel thing I've ever seen. Like easily. Okay, so maybe I need to give it another shot because I watched it and I was like, oh, this is this is too much for me. It's really complicated. It's very complicated and... I was spending too much of my brain power trying to figure out how everyone was connected it's to not, each other. It's not a casual watch. Yeah, it's and that's really, my problem. Like, yeah. I'm just like, hmm. I think that this is, it, I don't know if you're familiar with Primer, Alin, but this is like for the people who love Primer. And, um, you know, any of our 10 listeners who knows <laughs> Primer. What's Primer? I was going to say, what's Primer? It's often called the most complicated, well-done time travel movie. It's like very, it's up there in time travel oh, movies. Oh, okay. I would say that Dark is better than Primer because I had a really hard time understanding Primer. I feel like for Primer, you need an encyclopedia. For Dark, you just need a website. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just look it up on reddit someone's yeah. figured it out for you Somebody, or like you know if you get if you get like a website where you can see the photos side by side with the characters names and stuff it's very helpful because um you know some of some of them the, I, I will give them credit one thing that they did that i think is very helpful is they gave every character in the show a very different name from other characters so there's no names that sound similar because you've got like charlotte hannah Katarina, Jonas, Peter, Magnus, Ulrich, Alexander, Regina. None of these names sound similar. Right. So it's not you like Mike. Do. It's not like Mike and then Mike H. Or- right, exactly. <laughs> and that was, I think, a very clever thing on their part to do that um, because it's already very confusing. Um, they also do certain things that are really helpful, like um, one character has a mole, and so every time you see a younger version of that character, and you can you can go to the mole and be like, oh, that's her, you know. <laughs> or there's another character that's deaf and uses sign language, so that's helpful. You always know that character, you know what I mean? So it's it's oh, it's just so good, and there's so little that I can say about it without giving right. stuff away. I think you but- said, I mean. I, I just looked it up on IMDb because I wanted to see if it was a, I like to call it a closed universe. And th- that's just my way of saying, did it end? Yep. And it does. And there is an ending point. And the description of it is, it, this is, I'm going to read you the description because it's, this is how little it gives away. A family saga with a supernatural twist set in a German town where the disappearance of two young children exposes the relationship among four families. 
that that's not that doesn't do it any kind of it, that's what i mean so it's like <laughs> it, it's not yeah it's there's just so i'll give you two much. additional pieces of information that i think are more helpful okay and you know what? Look it up on Rotten Tomatoes because I'm really curious. Because on IMDb, it's sitting at an 8.8 out of 10, which is unheard of on That's, IMDb. Yeah, it is true. It's absolutely unheard of. And then the little articles, like the news, you know, like so here's some of the titles. Um, One of them says, uh, brilliant Netflix sci-fi series gets a masterful farewell in season three. You know, and it's just, you, you can, it, it, you, it's on a bunch of people's top 10 lists here you know it's just one of those shows where all i can really say about it is if you like time travel and you don't want a casual watch you want something you can really dig your teeth into this is the one so it is at a 95 see so that and that is the average tomato meter and the average audience score is 95 percent as well it's just I mean, this is such a hidden gem in my mind. Like, I don't, and the only reason why a lot of people haven't seen it probably is because it's in German, right? You got to subtitle it unless right. you know German. But um, it's just one of those shows that I feel like should be on everyone's radar forever for all time. And and it's just a crime, haha, that it isn't. Oh. Uh. So I wanted just to share this with you because I think, you know, you're going to be pleasantly surprised. So for the first season, it has an 89%, which is good. That's strong on Rotten Tomatoes. The second season has a 100% fresh rating. It, it, it absolutely deserves it. And, and season three has a 97%. It's unbelievable. Like, I, we, yeah. we can't say any more than this. Everybody go watch Dark. It's on Netflix. Just go do it. Yeah, and the the other thing is, and it's like shame on Netflix sometimes because they'll promote like a TV show with Kevin Hart, and it's uh. like, all right, great, like you see ads for that all the time. But if you were sitting on a show that has a ninety five percent fresh rating, why are you not advertising that? Why is it not featured every time you log into Netflix? Right, and it's not like this is an old show. Season no. three came out in twenty twenty. Right. And it, you know? it started in 2017, which yep. is not that I don't know. I don't sometimes I don't understand Netflix's advertising strategy. Yeah. Well, if we can get like at least one or two more people to go watch Dark, I will feel I will feel happy with my life. All right. I'm going to give it another shot, knowing that I need to give it my full attention. And you should start over. Yeah, I think I, I would have to because. Yeah, yeah I, I remember some things. I remember there's like headphones, like because oh, I was boy. like, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, I remember like having like a Casio cassette player like that. Um, but I remember liking the music because it was oh, like, the soundtrack is yeah, unbelievable. yeah, the soundtrack is amazing. In fact, I keep meaning to look up on Spotify to see if somebody has collected all those songs because it's, it's an unbelievable soundtrack. Oh, someone must have. Yeah, I got to figure that out. I have faith in humanity in certain aspects. And someone has created a dark playlist. I'm, I'm going to guarantee it. Yeah, I'm writing it down as we speak so I can, I can look after. You know, but, people but yeah. won't put their carriages away at the grocery store. But they'll do this. But they will do this. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think I've made my case. Alin, I'm ping-ponging it back to you. All right. Tell me about your number two on the list. My number two. And uh, these are just, I put them in chronological order. 
There's okay. no um, particular. Yeah, I don't really have an order. Yeah, I don't have a, it, and, and it depends on your mood, I think, obviously, what mm -hmm. you feel like watching when you sit down. Uh, my second pick, and I know that you watch this, Jamie, mm -hmm. is uh, True Detective mm -hmm. on HBO. Um, it's a good one. It's, we're talking about the first season, <laughs> mostly with an honorable mention to the, the third season. Um, if we had some sort of men in black type transponders that could erase memories, that would go to season number two. But I think the most surprising thing about True Detective is it felt like a movie. Watching, yeah. watching every episode, it was very cinematic. And I'm not a huge fan of Matthew McConaughey. That's but, fair. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a couple of things that he's been in where I'm like, oh, that's nice. Um, not a huge fan. I became a fan of him in this role. Because mm. he, was a, he was actually acting. <laughs> you know, because his other roles, he was always someone who is like, you know, the good looking guy who, you know, oh, I really need help settling down, but I don't want to settle down. And I'm going to just kind of swaggers around and drives. Yeah. The yeah. And I mean, <laughs> the thing, I mean, his best role and he just played the same role every time is from Dazed and Confused. Like uh -huh. that's he just plays the same role. But mm -hmm. so I was really surprised at him in this role, um, playing Rusty Cole. Uh, and what also, name, huh? I know these names. I feel like that would be a great name for my next cat. Rusty, Rusty Cole. Cole. <laughs> it sounds like a cowboy name. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Uh, and also Woody Harrelson, who. For me, I just remember him from White Man Can't Jump. Uh, way back in the 90s and when he was uh, Woody on Cheers. I mean, he was this goofball on this yeah, show. I don't, I don't have a lot of Woody Harrelson stuff that I have seen. And so this was kind of like the thing for me. Um, so I was coming at, I guess, him with fresh eyes um, to see this. So I was impressed mm -hmm. um, more so than McConaughey. And I think maybe it was just because I didn't have a lot that I had seen him in in the past to to affect that. And I mean, the, the other thing that worked is they're friends in real life. So oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're friends because they both like to dabble in recreational drugs of a sort. Oh, um, okay. Well, it's yeah. mostly legal now. Mostly legal now. Um, was not legal when Matthew McConaughey got caught playing the bongos. But <laughs> he, it's... So, I mean, it's really... A great show. Number one, it cre this is my opinion. There are a lot of anthology shows out there now. So you have Fargo, you have um, American Crime Story. There are just so many shows that have kind of followed this pattern. So you get to see Woody Harrelson. You get to see Matthew McConaughey in any town America. So it's not something that happened in, you know, New York or L.A., Chicago, Boston, one of the big cities. it was in the South, right? Yeah. I, Southern states. It was. I'm not sure. And this is my own fault. I think it, I don't know the exact state that it was okay. in. But they, I mean, they were working that, uh, those accents that they had. 
Yeah. Um, and the show did not. It, so it was on HBO and it earned being on HBO. Um, they it was almost like a, a David Fincher movie. Um, yeah. yeah. You know what I remember most is that um, really long one shot take. Do you remember mm, that? Yes. It was towards the like middle end of the first season and it involved like Matthew McConaughey moving through this sort of crime ridden area and it, it involved, I want to say helicopters and explosions. And it was like a really long, really elaborate one shot. And I still remember that being impressed by that. Um, I know that's not like a big no, I mean, I mean it's really you I mean if it was easy to do you would see it a lot more. True. But I can think of like a handful of shows where where you see I know the X-Files did one mm-hmm. where they did it um one shot and then I think The Haunting of Hill House. Oh god, that was the other really good yes, one. Yes. Yes. So it's like when you see it it's almost like watching a no-hitter. Mm-hmm. because you're watching it and you're like are they doing oh my god they're doing it they're mm-hmm. doing it they're gonna do a one shot um and that's what i mean like it was something that you hadn't really seen on television before you had quote-unquote movie stars going on hbo doing this show and it was just lavished with praise and it was well-deserved praise um so it is it was louisiana that's where it was Ah, we were right. So Louisiana, it's just, it, it takes place uh, probably over like 20 years, I want to say. Yeah, there's a lot of flashbacking. and flashbacking. Right. Yeah. Do you get to see McConaughey and Harrelson try to solve a serial killer crime? And it's got satanic elements to it. And there are some disturbing scenes of... Uh, Oh, geez, I know. There's, yeah. There's some trigger warnings in this one, for right. sure. It's, it's so, I mean, it's not for the faint of heart. I mean, if you were able to watch Seven without a problem, this will not be a problem for you. That's a fair comparison. Right, yeah. So, yeah. I really, really liked it. Um, I remember being blown away by it. It was a TV show that I wanted to make sure that I watched every week. It had one of those real explosive endings where you think one thing and then something else happens right at the very end of the last episode to just give you that little fork to the eye. <laughs> right. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And it, that that I remember quite well uh, as well is just, you know, being like, wow, what a great show. This is really good. We're wrapping this up. No. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, wait, wait, wait. But I think, you know, you you watch this show and Mayor of Easttown would not exist without this show. There's so many shows. The Outsider, maybe. The Outsider, um, Broadchurch. Oh, yeah. Maybe even Bosch. I don't know. I don't know which came first. but I know. I'd have to. I'm just thinking of shows where it's like, okay, you're going to get these prestige actors to come on. And appear for a few seasons. It's going to be. I mean a few episodes. It's going to be. Um, one crime. That they're going to focus on for the entire. For the entire season. Right. And it's going to be shot in a way. 
where you feel like you're watching a mini movie every yeah. every week. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's what I found most impressive about it. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, and like I said, the the third season. The the thing is, they pull in a lot of people who you wouldn't expect. And these actors give performances that you wouldn't expect. So and I'm mm -hmm. just thinking of the third season. You had Stephen Dorff, who doesn't do That a was lot. a real unexpected one. For right? Yeah. Right? And he did an amazing job. Yeah, he did do an amazing job. And I, even my husband commented on that and was like, wow, Stephen Dorff out of left field here, you know, just. Exactly. The, the show seems to be able to pull something out of its actors. And I don't know if it's whoever's directing it or if it's just the kind of quality that HBO demands or if it's just we're seeing something that they really want these roles and, you know, you're you're getting something that you don't normally get. But, yeah, it's definitely true. Right. And I mean, uh, Mahershala Ali was in the third season. And, you know, I think he that was right before he went to win back to back Oscars. Mm -hmm. But. There was so much backlash. I, I was looking it up, and that season, season three, was the least watched of really? all. Yes, because obviously it was season one, and then season two went way down, and season three went down even further. So people got so upset that they didn't come back to the show, and I am recommending that you go back and you watch that third season. It's not season one good, but it, it's 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 watchable. It's definitely right, worth it. Right. Mm -hmm. Especially if you like crime stuff and it's it's freestanding, you know, like Alain was saying. So you don't have to watch season two. You can skip right over it. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, yeah, that's a, that's my pick. for All right. Number two. Number Sounds two. Sounds awesome. So what's your pick for your second crime okay. show? So my second pick is to sort of do a kind of homage to uh, not the original, because the original crime writer, the, and this is an, a little known fact, but the person who originated the genre of crime writing was Edgar Allan Poe, my cousin, <laughs> incidentally. Oh, really? Yeah. And I have the same birthday as him. That's cool, um, as does like a million other people in your family, but we'll talk about that later. I know, right. <laughs> uh, but um, so not the originator, but the one who's often credited with being the original, which is Sherlock Holmes. And yeah. uh, Sherlock has had a lot of iterations uh, written and TV and movie over the many, mm -hmm. many years. And I do want to bring up as an honorable mention a show called Elementary, which um, had... Uh, it was a it was a procedural that was on um, one of the major networks for a while. I won't venture a guess which one, but one of the ABC, NBC, CBS kind of deals. <laughs> but um, it had uh, Lucy Liu in it playing Watson. And she's great. She, oh, God, she was so good in that role. And it was just interesting to see it done in a different way. And um, the guy who played Sherlock, his name is going to fail me. But um, it, it was uh, Johnny Lee Miller, also uh, known as the first Mr. Angelina Jolie. Really? Yes. Did they... you know that he did a stage performance of Frankenstein with Benedict Cumberbatch? And no. He, yeah. He was the monster and Benedict was Victor Frankenstein. That's so weird. I know, right? And they both have played Sherlock. Huh. 
I know. I wanted to find a video of it to show to my class, but then I found out that the stage performance added an unnecessary and not in the original novel rape, so I had to pass. Oh. Yeah, not a fan of that. No, I'm not either. So, and that was not in the book. But anyway, Sherlock's. So you have Elementary, which was very, very good. Miller, he was great as Sherlock. He was actually a drug addict, and Lucy Liu was like his counselor. And they they went on to sort of solve crimes together from there. And it was very clever and very well done. And I really liked their chemistry and I thought they did a great job. And I'm still kind of hoping that someday that show comes back because it's very good uh, Sherlock TV fast food. But the one that I do want to talk about, my second pick, is the Benedict Cumberbatch Sherlock. And um, I know that you have seen this, right? Yes. Yes, you were the one who recommended it to me. Yeah. So we have um, Mr. Boopadoop Cumberbatch himself <laughs> and Martin Freeman as John Watson, um, uh, which is – they're a great pair. It's a more traditional Sherlock-Watson pairing, very British and um, very close to – sort of the original early iterations of the Sherlock character, the ones that are not in uh, copyright anymore. Um, we're looking at you, Enola Holmes. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> I know I was going to say, because you think of that, and you also think of the Sherlock Holmes with Robert Downey Jr. Yes, he also followed that original sort of pattern of being the very quirky, highly logical, super cold kind of jerk face. And yes. that's that's the original character that you can portray without being in trouble. Um, and Sherlock as a character evolves over the years and becomes a much better person towards the end of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle's writing career. But those books are still under copyright. So you can't, you can't get <laughs> you can't be nice. You can't be nice. We're looking at you, Henry Cavill. Stop being so nice. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, because they're all listening. So, um, no, yes. And yeah, no, so they, <laughs> they could be, who knows at this point. So anyway, <laughs> um, if you do like the Sherlockian kind of stuff, um, any of the things that we really just mentioned, um, elementary, Enola Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock movies, and most especially the Benedict Cumberbatch, Martin Freeman, Sherlock's, which I do believe are still on Netflix. They're all they great, are. but this one in particular, Um, had really high production values. It does that cool thing that only TV shows in in Europe or especially England or Britain, I think, do, where you have a season of like three or four episodes, Mm -hmm. but each episode is like an hour and a half long. I wish we did that in the United States. It's just not a thing that we do. Um, No, I agree because... Yeah, it's cool, right? Right, and you felt like you got enough. I mean, it's just funny when you look at it because the Sherlock TV show ran from 2010 until 2017. So they they ran for seven solid years and made 14 episodes. Right, because I oh, there was a show that you told me to watch and I was like, it's been on the air for 13 years. You're like, yeah, but it's British. There's really like four seasons. Yeah, exactly. It's like everything is no, no, no. We're going to take our time. We're going to make three good ones and that's it, you know? (laughs) Well, and I think it's because also, too, like, Benedict Cumberbatch became, like, everyone who kind of saw him for the first time saw him in Sherlock. And then he kind of became, like, this export where he's showing up in all these movies. Yeah, his schedule must have been nuts. Right. And, I mean, even Martin Freeman, um, I remember seeing him. He was in the original office. Oh, wow. He played the gym. Well, he played Jim. Um, you know, was, so he played the gym character. 
over there, but his name wasn't Jim. It was something different. It was something more British. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Nigel. No, it could be. Yeah. I guess now it's going to bother me, but I mean, I enjoyed watching them. I remember like I would see little echoes of Sherlock Holmes books that I remember reading at my grandparents because they had like the reader's digest version of them. Yeah, they did. They did sort of um, co-opt a few of them. I don't know that they ever did. They ever do the Hounds of the Baskerville? I'm trying to remember. Yes. That's all. Yeah, that's my favorite. Yeah. Book. But uh, but yeah, they they did definitely co-opt a lot of the the stories. And um, the last season is pretty contentious because it's mm. probably their weakest one. But um, you know, if you want to watch the other seasons um, beforehand, I think that they're all really well done and um, definitely worth watching and everybody in it is um, pretty well perfectly cast. Um, So those first three seasons are just, yeah, I would definitely, definitely recommend them for the Sherlock fans out there. And I think even though the fourth season kind of contentious, because I'm looking at Rotten Tomatoes right now. um, So the first season gets a 93 Mm-hmm. Second season, 94. Third mm-hmm. season, 91. Uh-huh. Fourth season, 56. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> that fell off a cliff. That fell very far fast. Uh, I mean, it is contentious, but I think you should still watch it. I mean, I don't think it's that bad. I no, mean, I didn't think so either. Yeah. It's definitely my least favorite out of all of them, but I watched it and I was like, eh, okay, sure. You know, it's fine. Yeah. You're it just kind of like, oh, I wonder why they did that. Yeah. But, I, I mean, that's it. That's, and, you know, they do it in, a, like you said, like an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And for television shows here, that's like two episodes with, without commercials. Right. So right. they end up really doing, you know, like six to eight episodes. Right. It's a decent chunk of time. It's just, right. it's just done in a different way. And that's another show that's very, it's very cinematic. Like you feel like you could watch it on a big screen. Yep. Very high production values. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I agree. I, I, I really like Sherlock. I like the quirkiness. Yeah. Uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. I feel like he was born to play that role. Like, it's just almost creepy. Yeah. It's like strange how perfect he is for that role. Scarves and everything. It was oh, just. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. He can even wear the clothes and like just looks divine. Right, and he like you would imagine that's what he looks like when he's not. Yeah, he just filming. brought his own wardrobe to right. set, you know. <laughs> and they're like, "Oh no, no, we don't have to do anything for this guy." Absolutely. So, and then you have, um, I know, I I don't think you watched this, but um, his name. What is his name? Oh my goodness. I'm not giving away who he is, but he is also on Fleabag, and oh. he's great on Fleabag. He's a British actor. Oh, man. Now, okay, I got to Google it. But, I mean, there are a lot of people on this show who have kind of had crossover fame. Yeah, they had a pretty good cast all around. I mean, there's not a lot of people that I think an American audience would immediately recognize their names but you might recognize their their faces maybe right. 
Um, and, and then you might say, oh yeah, that guy, you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, I know like, for example, the, the guy that they got to play, um, Mycroft Holmes in the, the Sherlock. Yes. His, his name is Mark Gaddis, I believe. But, and again, that, that's probably a name that you, you might not recognize as an American audience. But then if you go and look at like the things that he's done, he was in a bunch of episodes of Game of Thrones. He was, um, in a bunch of episodes of Doctor Who. Um, he was in, um, Good Omens. Uh, you know, he, he's done like a fair amount of stuff. And I think almost everybody in the show has that kind of thing going. Like if you looked them up, you'd be like, Oh, this guy, he was in five other things that I've seen. I just didn't recognize him as as to be as famous of a person as, um, you know, Benedict, you know, or, 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 you know, Martin Freeman. So, you know, they've got like, they've got a bunch of people of like that caliber, you know, the same thing with the guy they had playing Moriarty, um, what was his name? That's Andrew who, Scott. That's who I was look. So that's who I was looking up because he plays the the hot priest in um, Fleabag. And yes, and he was in the movie 1917. So I don't know yes. if you saw that, but I did, he's also yeah. in his Dark Materials, which um, that's another good one. When that comes back, we'll have to talk about that. Oh, I know. I love that show. But anyway. Yeah, I so mean, many... he's he's one of those actors where I'm like, where have I seen this guy before? Right. You and I have think, seen him. Yeah. And I think that's like 90% of Sherlock's cast. So it's, it's a fun IMDb trip, basically. But that being said, um, I think that's pretty much all I have for my second pick. Alin, do you want to move on to your third pick? My third and final pick um, is Mindhunter. On yeah. Netflix. Um, now, this is this is a one where I I couldn't make it through Mindhunter, so you're gonna have to pick well, up. Well, the... it, it it's just it's a disturbing show. Um, it, is. it it is it's created by David Fincher of Seven Fame, so it's like you've already got that element. And David Fincher also did Zodiac too, so he's he's interested in serial killers. You know, he's, I would almost call Mindhunter a nice mixture of Seven and Zodiac because I think so too. Elements of both of those. You would not think, you would think that it would be much more seven, but it's it not. ends. It's not. There's not a lot of gore. In in Mindhunter, the gore and the creepiness and the horror factor. That's my com- third pick. <laughs> <laughs> it's you. You get that from the from the delivery of the actors especially the guy who played Kemper was it yes oh my god this was part of the thing that drove me away because that that I want to say that happened near me (laughs) yes it did it did um I've been through that area and that's just too much the thing that I like to rationalize about it because I I read a lot of things about serial killers um you know big fan of my favorite murder as a podcast Mm -hmm. um you know, I listen to Serial by NPR. So it's like, I'm, I'm interested in these things. But with Edward Kemper, I'm like, well, he, he killed his mom. It's okay. And he it's killed so- some, like, random girls. So he's like, you know, he has a, a, a fixture. He has a set. But he was also, and the, the thing is, so the person who played him, I think his name is, like, Cameron something. Um, Cameron Britton. 
this guy who played him was in something else that I seen. Um, it, Umbrella Academy. That's right. He was Hazel. And yes. it like ruined it for me. I was like, Hazel, no. It is the same thing because he is also in the last season of Shrill. And he plays the main character's love interest. And I'm like, he's a serial killer. <laughs> like, run, run. But the, the thing that's scary about it is you're watching um, through the eyes of two FBI agents who are creating the behavioral analysis unit that we are that we all know of today. We know it exists. We saw it in Silence of the Lambs, Criminal Minds. We know it exists. And they're profiling these notorious killers and trying to get into their brains and figure out why they killed and determine patterns. And alongside of that, they're pulling from real life. So you get to see some snapshots of who would later be revealed as the BTK killer in the early stages. So Dennis Rader in, in Kansas. And you get to, of course, meet some of the more infamous serial killers. You meet David Berkowitz, the son of Sam. You meet Charles Manson, who the actor who played Charles Manson in Mindhunter also played Charles Manson in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Can you say typecast? Wow, yeah. So... Um, so it's interesting because you also have um, another doc. She's a doctor, a psychologist, and played by Anna Torv. And she's also trying fringe. to. Yes, Fringe. I was like, what big show was she on? But so they're they're all working together to try to create these profiles. And I think the most disturbing aspects of it is with a few exceptions, most of the things that you're watching really happened. Um, and that's just freaky. Right. Like Ed Kemper did threaten an FBI agent saying, because Ed Kemper is like, what, six, seven? He's huge. He's a huge guy. And he was left in a cell with an FBI agent. And he said, you know, you're lucky I like you because I could just twist your head off your neck. Wow. So... It, it's it's chilling. You're watching it and it's chilling and it only has so Mindhunter only has two seasons and I'm not sure why, but the second season focuses on the Atlanta child murders, which is still an ongoing that, that allegedly um, they have someone behind bars who um you know dna evidence carpet fibers all of that match but he's still maintaining his innocence and as recently as last year because there wasn't a hbo documentary on the atlanta child murders they the mayor of atlanta called for the case to be reopened oh really so, yeah due to uh, additional evidence that's been received so like i said there is an individual who's serving time and has been since i think like the mid 80s late 80s but so you're watching something that's real it's authentic and you're also dealing with and this is why i'm kind of upset that it's not coming back because obviously these um these fbi agents are sort of composites of other fbi agents it was uh based there is a book called mindhunter Mm -hmm. um, it has a different title, but they create some sort of uh, 
I guess you could say television ready sort of plot lines in that one of the FBI agents has a son who's adopted and it points in the second season that he may have killed another child. Oof. So, That's heavy. yeah. So, and I mean, you see it un- unravel throughout the season, like, oh, you know, there's a, there's a, a body found and he, he's, he's dealing with like trying to keep his wife calm and going to work and interviewing Charles Manson. And then it, it's determined that his like seven-year-old may have done it. This is the kind of stuff that sort of drove me away from Mindhunter. I know some people really love this kind of stuff, but for me, sometimes when the the lives of the detectives or the the agents becomes more important than the crime solving, um, I get a little bit t- like turned off. I like the focus on the crime solving, but some people love that interplay between them. Right, and there's just um, I mean it's it's a heavy show to yeah. watch and uh another little fun bit of information is it was Charlize Theron who was reading the book that would be turned into the television show Mindhunter and mentioned it to David Fincher as oh, something no he should develop yeah huh interesting so I mean it's not if 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 you can watch documentaries about real life killers you can handle Mind it hunter. does kind of have a high quality documentary feel to there it. There is, yeah. I mean, it's it's David Fincher. You're gonna have that gray kind of grainy look to it, which matches the atmosphere that he's creating. Mm-hmm. But hmm. it's, uh, yeah. I mean, you're gonna walk away from it, and you're gonna kind of like, especially with not. I'm not saying that he's not as well known, but. Kemper, I didn't know a lot about. I knew his name. Mm-hmm. But when you're hearing what he did and how he did it, you're like, oh, my God. Right? That's the thing. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what. So it stays with you um, in that you're like, oh, like everyone knows Charles Manson. Right. And Son of Sam, you know, the Ted Bundy, all of these big hot high hitters. I mean, but. There are a lot more twisted individuals out there, and um, I guess that's kind of why I watch true crime shows is because there's like a whole dark side of humanity. It's like I I can't even imagine thinking about that. Like I'm the person who will, uh, you know, always have a a doggy, not a dog, like a waste bag to pick up my dog's droppings because I don't want to leave that. It would be wrong to leave it. And then there's the person who doesn't have a problem killing another person it's like right okay, okay. A, there's a giant chasm between right. those it's two like things. i think we have definition of wrong but okay uh, but yeah it's i guess that's sort of it you kind of get to see the the dark side of humanity get to stare at it knowing that i think kemper's dead at this point most of these serial killers are ha- have died in prison or because they were caught in the 80s and 90s they were electrocuted um, yeah. And the so, show is set in what, the 70s or? Yeah, I want to say like late 60s, early okay. 70s. Yeah, because I remember the, the fashion was fabulous. So Right, right. And you had like one of the uh, one of the FBI agents had that like crew cut, that sort of dragnet crew cut where it's like, like Mark very, Hamill hair. Yeah, or 
Yeah, like very serious. I'm very serious. Like that's what all the police officers had. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you have the younger, more progressive uh, uh, FBI agent played by Jonathan Groff. And it's so weird because this was the first thing I'd seen Jonathan Groff in because I wasn't a theater fan. Oh, yeah. But then I, and then I saw him in Hamilton. Oh, yeah, King George. And I'm like, okay, this guy is not who I thought he was. Yeah, it's funny. (laughs) So, but so, yeah, those are my those are my three picks. Very, very nice. That's a good three. All right. So we've got uh, five down, one to go. Last but not least, my third pick is going to be Hannibal. And um, I I know this is is a good one to end on. so this this is a, such an anomaly show for me because it still sort of boggles my mind to the to this day that this show aired on network TV. I know. Like, I mean, I can't remember again which network it was, but we're we're back at the NBC, CBS, ABC, Big yeah, Three here. It was right. one of them, and the the gore, the absolutely stomach-turning gore that this show contained to air on network television is mind-boggling. Mm-hmm. There are still scenes that I cannot watch. Um, just, like, gasp-worthy scenes. Like, the the one where there was, like, almost like a person who was put into large slides... Yeah, and that's the one that I always come back to where I just I can't even, you know, but that being said, this show is amazing. And mm-hmm. what really makes it amazing is Mads Mikkelsen and Hugh Dancy. Yes. And they are unbelievable as Dr. Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham. Who and, and these are sh- the show is based on the books. I'm not sure which ones exactly, um, um, but there were there was more than one book I know that that went into this because um, they brought in um, characters um, yes. that came in in, in later seasons. Um, Mason Verger. Um, yeah, he was he, he was, he was brought, so he particular book he was in the Hannibal book yeah and I know that um I think the the character that Gillian Anderson played was also from a book Bedelia Bedelia Um, so and I think it was multiple books that were sort of adapted here but the basic idea is you've got Hannibal Dr. Hannibal Lecter acting as a psychiatrist to Will Graham and is grooming the correct word here? Like grooming him? Yeah, I mean, yes. I, there's so few evidence of serial killer grooming that we yeah. have. Um, to be his serial protégé. killer compadre. Yeah, his protege. Yeah, and it is it is unbelievable the journey that Will Graham takes in this show from helping the police to solve crimes and. And understand serial killers and, you know, try to be this good, honest person in season one through everything that happens into season three. Um, And, you know, this is like an Emmy Award winning show. It's very it's got incredibly high production values. The cast is unbelievable. It's got Lawrence Fishburne in it. Like we said, Gillian Anderson pops in. 
um, in season two and three, I believe. And she's amazing. She's yeah. completely drugged the whole time and just acts like a very quiet, drugged up person. <laughs> and just it's just an unbelievable show to watch. The, the subtlety in it is so well done. Um, it's very smart. But at the same time, it is incredibly graphic and incredibly mm-hmm. horrific. And it's also one of those shows where you literally have a real excellent good person in season one who's got some mental health issues and is put under the care of not just one doctor, but multiple doctors because right. you had Bloom as well. Right. And the, the 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 influence of Hannibal is so great and so overpowering and and just his character is so compelling that this person Will Graham is not able to overcome and and save himself from this influence and you see the slow steady super believable degradation of his morality and ethicality over these three seasons. And it's just amazing to watch. It's just amazing. I I mean, I remember, I mean, obviously, you know, the background of Hannibal, like, this is a story that many people do know, and you've seen silence of the lambs, but you don't know, like, this part of it, or this much of it, you know, right, because, um, there was so it's actually it was called Mindhunter um and it came out in the 80s and it had William Peterson from CSI Gil Grissom mm-hmm. and he actually played Will Graham and the movie had Hannibal Lecter but it wasn't really about Hannibal Lecter and I'm trying to think of the name of the guy who played him it obviously wasn't Anthony Hopkins but the movie Mindhunter dealt with uh, an, another serial killer who was kind of introduced in this show, uh, Francis Dollaride. And it dealt with, oh God, what was her name? Joan Allen. Joan Allen played the character that is played by Rutina Wesley. Um, she plays the individual who's blind. Oh, in the right, movie. right, right. This was the, the 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 demon one. Yes. So, and that was called, and they remade it later, and it was called um, the Red Dragon. Right. Yes. This so was a separate book. Right. So there's all this mixing of the mythology together, and I think everyone thinks Clarice. They think Clarice and you know Hannibal. She doesn't and even show up. She doesn't show up. Um, mostly because that's another copyright issue. Right, but they handled it masterfully. No, they did, but the interaction between Hugh Dancy and Mads Mikkelsen, it was so well done. Extremely well done. It was believable, and that was the other thing, because you're obviously watching a show that, on the spectrum of gore, you're watching a show where... Whenever Hannibal eats something and invites someone over for dinner, you're like, don't eat that. Just eat the salad. Yeah. What are we eating? What are we yeah. not eating? <laughs> <laughs> don't don't touch that. Oh. They even went into it in the show at one point where I think it was um, Lawrence Fishburne's character, Jack Crawford, <laughs> like took some food and had it tested. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we're, we're in 
a completely unbelievable universe. Yes. And I think that's actually a good point. I mean, the level of gore and the level of killing that happens here is way beyond the beyond, but um, especially at the amounts that it happens in this right. show. But um, once I, I honestly don't feel like you even have to, quote unquote, get past that. Because no, the no. Rest of it is so believable that you're just you're in it before you realize you're in it. That's what I like. So normally, if you were like, you're going to watch a show about this, this guy and he's a, he's a psychologist. and He's going to basically try to get this other guy to kill. And he happens to be a cannibal. It's like, what are you talking about? I'm not going right. to watch a show like that. But you're watching it and you're rooting for Hannibal not to get caught. You're like, isn't that the truth? Right. That is so true. And you're literally like, why am I rooting? Like, the, exactly. The that this person has done. And they even have him kill people who you're meant to like. Like the, the <laughs> one girl that I mentioned earlier with the scene that I can't look at. That yes. was a character that I really liked. And I was mad that she had been killed. But oh, I yeah. was still rooting for Hannibal. <laughs> exactly. Like he kills, he kills obviously for fun. He kills for food. He is in no way a person that you should root for. No. But you're like, oh, I want to see him and Will together. Like, where's another, where's another scene with the two of those crazy guys? And then, weirdly, they present people who are worse than him yes. so they can have another reason to root for him. Because, like, the person that you brought up, which was played by Richard Armitage, yes. and, and the Mason Verger character, who was played by Joe Anderson, those two characters were weirdly and unbelievably enough worse than Hannibal Lecter. So now you're like, okay, great. I can root for Hannibal again. Yeah. And I'm just thinking like when we were talking about gore and you brought up Mason Berger, I'm like, Oh God, like there's also a very macabre scene where I'm not going to give it away. But if you've seen the Hannibal movie with Julianne Moore and Gary Oldman, who plays Mason Berger, you know what happens to Mason Berger. Um, But if you don't, I'm not going to spoil it for you. But it 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 is a tough. This is someone who is like, oh, Mindhunter wasn't that bad, and I watch like all kinds of gory stuff. I think it's because like Jamie said, it was so unexpected because yeah. it's network TV. Like even at 10 o'clock on a network show, you wouldn't expect this, right? I mean, this is stuff this that was I've HBO seen. level gore, right? HBO or even like FX. We'll right. sometimes get away with stuff on American Horror Story that I'm very surprised that they do. But this is like 10 o'clock Friday night. And there were scenes where I was like, ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, I mean, I'm very, uh, you know, and not to, for anyone who watches it, we're not going to give away what happens. But there's no closure in the no. show. And, I mean, I'm... I'm okay and not okay with that. I mean, I'd love for there to be another season of this oh, show. Oh, yeah. There, there very easily could be another season. The fact that that's sort of left open in a strange way is is interesting. It almost feels like it didn't end. It's just on hold. Right. And, I mean, there's all kinds of websites out there where, you know, the ending is interpreted. Oh, yeah. In different ways. Right. So, it's but, very symbolic, in, and the whole show is extremely symbolic and uh, metaphorical and uses colors in weird ways and, you know, uses all kinds of camera tricks and different things to help set the, the mood and the vibe, and it's very high production values, and 
um, you know, all of that is is present. And I mean, it it was an unexpectedly well done show. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was another one that Jamie recommended to me. And it was something I watched at the, the beginning of the uh, pandemic slash quarantine period. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I devoured it uh, very quickly. <laughs> but um, bum. <laughs> but yeah, it was something that, you know, I knew it was on television. I don't like to get involved in TV shows just because they get canceled. Looking at you, prodigal son. Mm. Um, but once it hit Netflix and Jamie gave it the thumbs up, I was like, all right, let's watch this. Let's let's see this. Mm-hmm. And it was so good. Yeah. Well, we did it. Crime time. We did it. We made it. We did all th- uh, six of them. And uh, I think we did a great job. And we will be back in episode 11, back to our old shenanigans if you will (laughs) um and our old formatting and uh come episode 20 we will be looking for a new theme so go ahead and suggest them remember that we are on twitter facebook and instagram you can search for three speech on all of those and don't forget to like follow and subscribe on whatever listening platform you are listening on right now and we greatly appreciate all of those things and we hope you enjoyed our foray into crime time (laughs) dun dun any final thoughts, Alyn? <laughs> um, no. I mean, <laughs> just the Law and Order theme. Just that, you know, that was that was like my big, like, okay, I'm gonna do the Law and Order theme again. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, give it I to think... us one more time. You can close us out when you're ready. All right, ready. Thank you thank for you listening, for... everyone. Thank you for listening to our tenth episode. Dun dun. <laughs>